Hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm Hannah, and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah, and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the message. We're in the middle of a series called uh, Pre-Decide. You just saw the video and kind of the call for it. But the whole idea is this, that the quality of your life is largely determined by the quality of your decisions. The reality is that you make decisions, but then your decisions make you. And that's kind of a problem because most of us have great intentions, but we don't always make the best decisions. <laughs> Anybody? I've told stories before that I'm not allowed to repeat, um, but I've got examples and you've got examples. We've been in the moment where we know the right thing to do. We know the right thing to say. We know the right thing to stop. And we still choose the wrong thing. We still say the wrong words. We still have the wrong response, even with the best intentions. And that's so challenging because the quality of your decisions is what impacts the quality of your life. And, and it's important to have this conversation and to recognize what can we do. In fact, what's beautiful is there's this principle God shows us over and over in Scripture that He wants to lead us in knowing how to do something. It's called pre-decide. There's a power that we see in pre-deciding ahead of time what I'm going to do the next time. In pre-deciding how I'm going to respond ahead of time the next time that moment comes up, the next time that opportunity comes up, the next time I'm in that relationship or I'm in that conversation or I'm, I'm having that, that dialogue, that's the power of pre-deciding. And God wants to lead us in what are some of the decisions we can pre-decide to really help us find everything he made us for. And today what I want to do, week four, I want to talk about the biggest enemy, the biggest adversary to your best decisions. What is that biggest adversary? And it's this. It is temptation. Temptation. It's that urge, that impulse that begs you to choose now over later. Temptation is this thing we all fall to. In fact, I, let me just ask this question just to put us all on the same page. How many of you have ever fallen to temptation and then you regretted it? Anybody? Come on, put your hands up. Y'all are not Jesus. I mean, we've all been there. I mean, let's be honest. I, you know, I, I love ice cream, but a temptation is cold stone because I eat cold stone and then like, Ask Hannah, 15 minutes later, I have this phrase I say, man, I hate the way that makes me feel. But it doesn't matter because I still love Cold Stone. Like it's just over and over. Seriously, though, we all have temptations. We've all made decisions and we've all chosen something for the now. Maybe at the detriment of later and it's really caused deep heartburn, deep regret. <laughs> Tums, if you're under 30, just start investing now. Like it's just, seriously, there's just, there's decisions we make when we fall to temptation. And sure, there's lighthearted ones, but come on, we all know there are some that are so dangerous that can truly detour your life, derail your life. They can, they have a great impact on your future and your potential. And what's crazy is we all think that we're fine though. There's actually a scientific term for that mentality it's this it's called resistance bias 
resistance bias. And this is, well, this is what re- resistance bi- bias means. It means that I think and you think that we can resist a lot more than we can. That when it comes to a, assessing the, the power of our willpower, the strength of our willpower, we are so good at fooling ourselves. <laughs> that truly our willpower, it's like a muscle. It's limited in its capacity and it's limited in its endurance. And it takes a lot longer for it to recharge and it actually dies and dies out a lot quicker than we assume. We, though, believe that we can overcome temptation so much better. We have such a great belief in ourselves. <laughs> but most of us, if we're honest and we look back at our track records, we're not that good. Yeah? But here's, here's the thing that I love most, and this is great news, is that God, he understands that. God isn't disappointed that you have a limited weak power, uh, willpower. Honestly, God... God knows the human state. He understands you. He gets you, but something better. God has the answer. God has the power, and God has the way for you to be able to really resist temptation. In fact, look at God's perspective. This is what he says to you and me found in 1 Corinthians. It says, the temptations that are in your life, they are no different than what anyone else has experienced. So you know why that should bring you some hope? Because there's nothing that you're facing that God hasn't seen before. Nothing. No temptation. And here's a promise. God is faithful. He's trustworthy. Put that next scripture up, up. God is worthy of your faith and your trust. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Man, that's a, that's a strong word. What does that mean? Well, the next sentence tells us what that means. Here's what that means is that the next time that you are tempted, God will show you a way out. Come on, say that yellow with me. He will show you a way out so that you can endure. Tell you what, that's a good abuena right there. That it doesn't matter what temptation you're facing. It doesn't matter what you're trying to resist. God knows the way out, and he is faithful. And so I want to show you today, actually, I want to talk about what do we see in Scripture because really part of the answer of this way out, God shows us what we can pre-decide, what we can choose to decide ahead of time so that the next time we're facing temptation, the next time we're feeling that urge, the next time we have that impulse, we've already decided what we're going to do the next time. And I want to show you today these three keys we see in Scripture that help us know how we can really resist temptation and why that matters because it because your decisions determine the quality and the direction of your life come on and so i believe that if you will say yes to these i i uh, i don't know how to emphasize this enough i think these three three keys they could do so much to bring you peace to bring you hope, to bring you some bandwidth and some margin. I I think just there's so much power in these, and I hope you will lean into them and just allow God to challenge you and convict you and call you to say yes to these. Come on, if that's good, say bueno. I like it, I like it. Well, pitter-patter, let's get at her. And we're going to look at these three keys we find in Scripture about how to resist temptation. And here's the first one. The first one is you got to move the line. Everybody say that with me. Move the line. You have to pre-decide to move 
the line. In fact, I'm really curious today, did anybody happen to bring with them a neon green roll of tape here to church? Come on, I see a hand. Yes, Lord, in the balcony. Come on, put your hands together for Nellie. League in the room. Wow. Thank, oh, man, thank you. She did awesome. Uh, it's just amazing how God just provides when you don't even realize it. Um, let's just say, for the sake of today, okay, that this line right here represents all the things that we'll just, well, I don't know how to say this the best way. Let's say that this just represents the line between what God wants for you and what can harm you. Everything on this side is everything God wants for you. And, listen to me real carefully, everything God wants from you for someone else. Does that make sense? Tracking with me? That's what's on the side of this line. Everything on the side of this line, this side is harm. It's harmful to you, and it's harmful to someone else. It's a decision you can make that would harm someone else. That is the definition of sin. When we talk about sin or when you see the word sin in scripture, that's what it's talking about. Everything God wants from you and everything that could harm you. And the question that faces all of us is how close do you and I tend to stand to the line? I know. I'm on stage. I'll get to demonstrate. I'll be honest. There's a lot of you that you have some places, if you'll be honest with yourself, that you like to see how close... You can stand to that line. Like, so Hannah and I, we started dating in high school. And we were, grew up, we had a relationship with Jesus early, and we really believed what Jesus said, that sex is supposed to be saved for marriage, that the best thing I can do for her is to, to save that for her, and the best thing she can do is, is, is to, honor, to honor me is to, to save that for, for, for me later. And so we just, we knew that was there, but I still had this question I would ask my pastor, like, yeah, I get that, but how close? <laughs> Come on, none of us take your halo off today. How, how, I like to be very close. How close can we get to the line, right? And so many of us in so many places, we're like, I mean, I'm officially not there, but I am oh so close. But think about it. There are other lines in your life that you would never do that. Just, just imagine with me that there are these two yellow stripes that are the only thing dividing you and where you're at from a vehicle moving 70 miles an hour the other way. You would never, husbands, I'll speak to you. You would never get as close as you can to that yellow line, right? Right? Some of you do, but you shouldn't, right? That's me. Like, you don't ever, because why? Because that's dangerous. Because you recognize how dangerous that is. How many of you were, when you were kids, and you know, um, you didn't wear a seatbelt, number one, and then the windows in the back went all the way down, so you could stick your hand out to see how close can you get to the passing mailbox? (laughs) And I look back at me, and I'm like, I was a moron. Like, where were my parents? Um, 
They were teaching me consequences. That's what they were doing. But seriously, we, we, we look at that now. We would never do that. Imagine if your pilot on your plane, if he wanted to see how close he could get the needle to that E on that fuel gauge before he landed the plane. I don't want that pilot. You don't want that pilot. It's okay if your vehicle's starting on the ground, but if you're seven miles in the atmosphere, I don't want you seeing how close you can get to the line. And am, I, am I resonating with you? Are you getting the illustration? Some of us live so close to the line, and we wonder, God, why do I find myself stumbling over and over every time I'm in that situation, every time I'm, I'm caught in that circumstance, every time in that relationship, I just keep finding myself on the wrong side of the line. What can you do? What can I do? And here's what God teaches us here. Just move the line. Just move the line. Don't even get close. Can, can we make this practical? Let's just say you really, really struggle financially to make smart decisions. Like that impulse buying is just, like it's, it's not just funny in the group chat, but it's like a little out of control. Just move the line. What could that look like? Maybe you just need to take that debit card and that credit card and put them in a drawer and only use cash. I know what you're saying. Brandon, that is so inconvenient. I cannot Amazon anything. <laughs> like, I'd have to plan out. I'd have to pre-decide what I did with my money. It's not a bad option. And that might sound extreme, but you know, I, I mean it. This is not my idea. This is not, I am not that brilliant. This comes from Jesus. This idea of moving the line, in fact, look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. Go ahead and put the scripture. It says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go through a living hell. And you might hear that or read that in the past and thought, man, Jesus, I think you're taking this a little too seriously. And I think Jesus would really quickly look back at you and I in the eye and say, I don't think you're taking it seriously enough. That when it comes to temptations in our life, we often fail to recognize the danger and the harm of this side. And so we want to live as close to the line as we can. And he's just saying, hey, if your right eye causes you to stumble, move the line. You may not understand how dangerous it is. You should still move the line or tear the line. Can I give you some more examples? Is this okay? Maybe for some of you, there really is a struggle with pornography. And here's what's really deceptive about that is sometimes we can actually convince ourselves maybe this is the line. But really, I mean, just looking at accounts on Instagram, it's not really pornography. You know, it's, I'll move the line this way. We can convince ourselves of that so easily. But I cannot stress how incredibly damaging that is. Brain-altering, relationship-destroying. 
it, it, it will absolutely, it's so dangerous. Man, I don't have time to preach a sermon on that today. You need to move the line over here. You need to get rid of that app. You need to stop that streaming service. You need to stop following those people. Can I take it even further? Maybe you just need to cut off the internet at your house. Brandon, that's extreme. I'm just telling you, it may be worth it to move the line. You can survive without Amazon and the internet. I've done it. <laughs> Seriously. I know, I know this is so extreme. I know there's lots of pushback. I get it, but just look at what Romans tells us. The minute that we say yes to Jesus, I'll just speak to the Jesus followers in the room. The minute I say yes to Jesus, my job is to make no provision for my flesh and to gratify its desires. No provision. Not how close to the line can I li live. No, how can I move the line? How, how, what does it look like for me to get away from it so I'm not constantly falling over and over and over? Is, is this tracking with you? Is this okay? I know I've hit some lighthearted examples. Can I hit one more is, uh, to go a little deeper for us? Maybe for you, the line is comparison and envy. And I just, you just have to understand you are never made to live comparing your life to another. And when you do that, like Hannah said, you can try to build your life and build a structure to protect you, but all the while, you're building a structure on this side of the line. Think about that. Man, look at what God's saying. Some of you, you don't even, you're, you're trying to protect yourself from, from the wrong thing because the line's over here and you're building a prison for yourself here in this space of harm and destruction. You were never made to live there in comparison and envy. What does it look like for you to really move the line and get out of there, man? Get out of those relationships. Get off of that social media once and for all to really get, maybe if that job is a space that just pushes you and pushes you and pushes you to to push over that line over and over maybe you just need to find another job i know this is extreme but come on i mean this is what it means there's danger on the other side and i know that you may just be walking one step at a time but you may be leading yourself into a living hell and god's saying come on wake up there's more maybe for you it's alcohol and you know like hey well the bible doesn't say drinking's a sin but come on come on dad Come on, mom. C come on, students. Stop fooling yourself. Stop fooling yourself. And move the line. And I realize this feels restrictive. Like maybe for some of you who just have a problem with religion or faith, you're, this is the part you hate. Like this is so restrictive, Brandon. Why? I don't want to do that. Can I tell you a truth? Moving the line is not limiting. It's so freeing. When you experience life without an addiction to porn, that is so freeing. When you experience a life where you are not dictated by everyone else and comparing yourself to all of them, that is so freeing. When you really have a financial security that's not founded in how much you have, but in the one who holds you and everything else, that is so freeing. I'm telling you, this isn't limiting. These are the very things your soul is dying to live in. It's the life you were made for. You with me? We got to move the line. We got to move the line. That's the first one. And I got two more, y'all. Move the line. Let me give you the second key, something you can pre-decide. Here's the idea. The first one is move the line. The second one is you can pre-decide to build a circle. Build a circle. 
And what I mean is to really build a circle of people around you, the relationships around you that are leading you to where you really know you're called to go. There is a pastor who has said this to me, and I'm saying it to you. Here's the truth, that if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And Proverbs says it this way, that whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools, put this scripture up there, the companion of fools suffers harm. Do you catch what this is saying? You don't have to be the fool to get hurt. You just have to be in close enough proximity to when their life explodes, you're the one who receives the shrapnel. Walk with the wise. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harms. And I'm just telling you, if you really want to fight that temptation, that stumble over that temptation line, you've got to build a circle. You've got to build a circle of people who are helping you walk the direction you're supposed to walk. In fact, there is just, there's something in my, my story. There are seasons for, for me. I, I know I'm up here on a platform, but I just, can I just be honest? It's a, I think it's harder on a platform. It's harder for people on a platform to say yes to a circle. Because what will people think? How can I really be honest? How can I really take my mask off and open up? But I'm telling you, the most freedom I've ever experienced in my life in any season comes when I have a circle. And when I don't have that circle, and I try to hold it by myself, and I try to hold that re- my resistance bias, I try to live by my resistance bias I, mindset, I'm telling you, it's never worked. There is something for me about having a group of men who love Jesus, who are following Jesus, no one who's perfect. I don't even have, need to have pastors in the group, or I don't need to have professionals. I just need men who want to submit their lives to Jesus around me, and I need that circle. You need that circle. In fact, for some of you, that's the very problem is that you don't have a circle. It's not even that. It's that when you're faced with that moment, you have no one you can call, no one even close to the circle. Right? You haven't actually taken the time to develop a circle. Who knows? Like, you can't just pick a circle today and tomorrow, okay, we're all deep diving. No, no. It takes time. It takes intentionality. There's got to be trust built. There's got to be some relationships that are formed. But you need to build a circle. You have to choose. You have to pre-decide because when the moment comes, you need to have someone to call. You need to have someone to share with. Like in James when it says that when, see, when I'm in that circle and I can truly confess my sins to these others and they pray for me, that's where God brings healing. Healing. Today you're sitting in a row, but I'm telling you, church was never meant to just be rows. God always wanted us in circles. In circles. And as your pastor, I'm just begging you. You know what I'm about to say. I'm begging you to find a circle. Build a circle. Find that group. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be 100 people. Just find two or three other people that you can really begin building that kind of trust and accountability with that you would walk together. I'm telling couples, come on, in your marriage, if you want to really continue to walking on an uphill path in your marriage, I'm talking to young couples and old couples, you need to put a circle around you. You need to find the ones you can walk with. Men, you need men. Women, you need women. You you need to find one another and build a circle. And the way we do that here, come on, you know it, is through small groups. I don't want you to join a small group for me. (laughs) I don't want to be your small groups. Not all of them, anyway. 
I don't need that. I don't need a program to look really successful on paper. I want you to have a circle so that the next time you face temptation, you've already predecided. here's someone I can call. Here's someone I can text. Here's someone who will pray for me. Here's someone who will not judge me. That's why you need a circle, and that's why I want you in this season to find a small group. You need one. We just last week, I'm so proud of this church. We just launched the most small groups in one kind of season that we've ever launched. Almost 30. I'm praying we get to 30. You know, I'm, I, there's a few of you I'm eyeing, like, just make one. Just come on. Okay, here we go. But I'm telling you, you just need to start building that circle. Find that circle. Find a group. We've got groups on every single day. We've got groups at uh, so many different times. I mean, there's groups everywhere. I promise there's one you can try. And maybe if you look at it and say there's not, there's not just one here for me. We love to help you build a group for you. But I'm just telling you, it's so vital. It's so important that you really build your life. As Hannah was saying, we don't use weapons of this world. We can't do that. To, to, we don't build with sticks and stones. No, we build with, with people. God, God wants to build you up with his people. That's what he wants to use, and it's so important. Good? Come on. So we... Fight temptation. We fight temptation when we, uh, and we resist temptation when we predecide to move the line, when we predecide to build a circle. And here's the third one: when we stabilize our core. Stabilize your core. If you're going to really resist temptation, if you're really going to follow God on His way out, you've got to stabilize your core. And here's the truth: when it comes to moving the line, and when it comes to building a circle, both of those are external. But this one right here has to do with really fixing what's inside. And if all you do, these are great things, great tools. They're scriptural tools. They're like scripture backs up. These are good things to do. But if you only fix the external and you never let God really into your life and into your heart to address the core issues, the core of who you are, if you never do that, I'm telling you, listen, you will never experience the victory these can only go so far. God's power is to transform your heart. And that's what this is about. You've got to stabilize your core because your core, your heart, the seat of your will and your decision and your emotions, that matters. And it matters to God. In fact, I, I actually spoke about this about a year ago in our Battle Ready series. And we talked about how do we stabilize the core. Why does the core matter? Why is it so important? And I just think it's worth it to remind all of us why that matters. In fact, I asked uh, former NFL running back Sam Rogers. You saw him up here. He looks very similar to me body-wise. And so um, not one of my jokes. The others were funnier. But <clears throat> I asked him, why does your core matter? And he said two things that really stuck out to me. Number one, he said, your core is everything. He said, your core is everything that you can endure more stress. See if you can just apply this to your life spiritually. You can endure more stress if you have a strong core. That when you find yourself extended, even overextended, you will, you're less likely to get injured, to be strained if you have a strong core. That a strong core actually helps you fight off. It limits the, the power of external forces on your body. He said your core is everything, but here's the next thing he said that I think is so powerful. He said, you know, Brandon, big guys with weak cores, they're easy to move. 
And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, you might have the best looking body. You might, you might ha- be strong in certain, certain muscle groups or certain areas. But if you don't have a strong core, a weak core actually zaps the power from the rest of your body. And some of you just had a light bulb go off. Because you think about your life and you've been wrestling with me this whole talk. And you're like, Brandon, I am disciplined. I am, like, I do things, I, I get up early. I go to, I get a tight eight every night. Like, I, I, I do things right. I, but, but if you're honest, there's still these places where there, there's just some willpower that gets zapped. There's areas of your life with that, those lines. You just cannot find yourself figuring out how to get out of that temptation. You don't have it in yourself. And I'm telling you, you got to strengthen your core. Whenever I really sense, man, there's a temptation that's really urgent and pushing on me, my first thought now is it's a core thing. And I need to let God address the core. In fact, I've talked about that with my... Is this okay? That when I struggled with pornography, I struggled for, for years uh, with it. And, and then when I finally got free from it, what I discovered is it was, it, the, what was the core problem had nothing to do with everything I thought it was. Right? Your typical male things, your typical man things. None of that was what was driving my addiction. And it was only when I moved the line and I built a circle around me. And then I really, it, that what that did is it created the space for God to get into my core of my mind and really begin addressing the roots, the roots, the root lies, the root insecurities, the root things that I couldn't fight because I was just fighting to stay on one side of the line. And I only had so much willpower. God, I got to stay on this side. And God's like, man, if you would only create some space, I could do some real work. So let me finish with this, and I'm going to invite Caleb up. As we finish, how do you do that? What does it mean to really stabilize your core? What can you, like practically, Brandon, what does that mean? Here's what Ephesians chapter 6 says. Listen, if you really want to stand your ground, if you really want to stand your ground against the face of temptation, you've got to put on the belt of truth. And here's what that does. This is so powerful. What is he talking about? He's talking about the truth of God and what he says about you, what he says about your life, what he says about this world, what he says about what matters. You've got to let that truth not just inform you. You've got to let it form you. You've got to let that truth be the very thing that shapes who you are and and redefines who you are. This is why this is so important. This is why this matters so much. And what it looks like for you practically is I'm telling you, what if you pre-decided to be in God's word, God's truth, the scriptures every day this year? Maybe it's not in the moment of temptation, but I'm telling you, you're going to begin to stabilize your core, and you're going to begin to be shaped and formed by the truth of God. And you won't be so tempted by that comparison trap because you know the truth of who you are in Christ. Come on, Nuko, you got to cheer a little bit for that one. You won't be, yeah, come on. You will not be so tempted about what's coming now because you recognize that God has something greater for you later. Come on, do you believe that in this building? That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for you. you got to be in your word. Psalm 119 says, God, I have stored up your word in my core that I might not sin, that I might not pass over that line, that I may stay in the good things and the promises and everything you have for me. I have stored up your word in my heart. 
that I might not sin against you. Being in God's word, and if I can just be transparent, listen, I'm just like you. There's days I read. We have a Bible reading plan on our website. You can go there. If you're not used to the Bible, we've got like, there's four different parts every day. You can just pick one part. Pick the new, just read the New Testament part. Just read the Psalm of the day or just just read the proverb. Just start somewhere. There's somewhere you can start. There's, there's all a way for any of us to engage that. You can follow that. And I'm telling you, don't try to go back to the beginning and start, you know, catch up. No, just today. Just start today. What if I miss Tuesday? Well, then just pick it back up on Wednesday. The, the, the goal is not your perfection. The goal is consistency. And like I said, there's times when I open Scripture and I might not, it might not be immediately gratifying. Or like this amazing aha moment with God. But I keep doing it. You know why? Not Maybe not because I always understand it, but because I understand what it is doing to me. That it's shaping me. That it's forming me. It's not just informing my mind, but it's actually shaping my heart. And it's teaching me how to love my wife better. And it's teaching me how to be a better father. And it's teaching me how to love you better. And it's, it's really teaching me how to not chase those things that in the end, while I think they're not that dangerous, man, there's a line that God drew because it is. And he knows what's on the other side. And I just believe if you committed that your 2024, you are going to spend in God's word. I just believe, man, there's some of you that the anxiety is overwhelming. It's not supposed to be constant. It's not supposed to be what you wake up with. And God, by his word of truth, wants to speak peace over you every day if you would just lean into it. There's peace. There's hope. For some of you, you're living in kind of this circular state of dead dreams, and God's got brand new life, brand new hope, brand new purpose if you would only just align yourself with this truth. Because really, here's the powerful thing about why God wants us to resist temptation. It's not because all the bad things. It's because God doesn't want us to trade all the good things for that. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.